This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Getting back to Joshua, we've been going through it, looking at the parallels between what the Lord has done with them and what he wants to do with us today. And so to review, for any of you that are new, we first talked about how uh, covenant is formed and how God comes into relationship with people through covenant and then how a commission is given, this, this great commission. God tells Joshua to arise and cross over the Jordan. And then Joshua takes the people and he crosses over from the place that they were in in the wilderness into the promised land of Canaan. And then they raise up a memorial. Pastor Doug talked about that last week. They take all these stones to create moments that they can look back to, to point to regarding God's faithfulness. And then they consecrate themselves. They, they actually circumcise the young men who didn't get circumcised in the wilderness. And then they celebrate Passover and it's this beautiful feast. They're celebrating what the Lord did for them in the Exodus. And then a holy encounter ensues. This angel shows up and he's the commander of the Lord's armies and Joshua worships. And now a battle is about to occur. And this is where we pick up the story today. The title of my message, for those of you that are taking notes, is we are a triumphant people. We are a triumphant people. Now, many of you guys have heard this story before, but I want to focus on three specific things. Say three. Three things that we can learn from this story as a triumphant people living in the earth today. Are you with me this morning? Go with me to Joshua chapter 6. We're going to begin today in verse 1, and we're going to go through this verse by verse, and we're going to look at these three points that I believe the Lord wants us to grab a hold of as a triumphant people. Verse 1, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. Say seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up everyone straight before him. And so Joshua, verse six, the son of Nun called all the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward, say forward, march around the city and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. The first point I wanna begin today with is this, number one, God delivers, but you have to march. God delivers, but you've got to march. Verse two shows this and highlights this for us. God says to Joshua, see, I've given you Jericho. I've given Jericho in your hand with its king and all the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city. I want you to highlight that or swipe that or underline that in your Bibles. You shall march, he tells them. God told the people what he promised to do. What was the promise? I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to give you the land of Canaan. It's going to be good. 
a land flowing with milk and honey, a, a figurative and symbolic picture of blessing and favor. But in order for you to step into that, you've got to march. You've got to put those chevro legs in motion and get to work. Many promises of God can only be obtained when we march, when we step out and act. I believe this always requires two things from us. Are you ready? Here they are. Number one, faith. And number two, obedience. Faith, the way that I'm defining it, is a willingness to believe and trust God at his word. A willingness to believe and trust God at his word. Obedience, on the other hand, is a willingness to respond to that faith with action or movement. The truth is faith and obedience go hand in hand because, like James tells us, faith without works is dead. Faith without action is dead. Faith with no movement, with no marching is dead. If there's no corresponding action to your beliefs, then they're really not your beliefs, are they? They're just conjectures at best, maybe hypotheses that you've made about the world. So let me ask you today, how is your faith this morning? How's your faith? Do you find yourself waking up with the passion to believe God for greater things, for impossible things, for audacious things? Can I tell you something right now, church? I've been living in this place lately. <laughs> I've been living in this place where each and every day I wake up going, God, would you do the impossible in my life? Would you do greater things in my life? Lord, would you do greater things in our church? God, would you do greater things in our city? You guys remember that song that came out years ago, Greater Things Are Still to Come? Greater things are still to be done in this city? Church, that's my heartbeat. And that starts when you and I make a decision to be a people of faith. You know, it's interesting, the Bible says that God often gives people a measure of faith. Each and every one of us has a measure. Some of you guys have a small measure, and that's okay. Some of you guys have a medium measure, and some of you guys have a large measure. But can I encourage you today? Each and every one of us can take what faith we have and put it into motion. Put it into action. So how's your faith? What area in your life is God requiring faith from you right now? Have you thought about that? For some of you, it's your finances. You look at that bank account and you're like, oh, dear Jesus, <laughs> I've got to have faith for more. For some of you, it's your health. For some of you, it's your relationships, right? Maybe you've become estranged from a family member or a friend or somebody that you used to be close to. And God wants to infuse new life and new faith into your heart to believe him for greater things in that area. Do you find yourself looking for reasons to trust God or to doubt him? Are you looking for ways to press into the impossible or are you discouraged by the mountain that stands in front of you? Many times we look at our obstacles, we look at our problems instead of looking at him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask, think, or imagine. According to his great power at work, where church? Within us. God wants to do great things in you. Do you believe that this morning? So how's your faith? What about your obedience? Are you quick to obey the Lord? Or do you find yourself dragging your feet? For those of you that have had young children, 
Sometimes you kind of have to drag them where they're supposed to go. I remember when the kids were really little and they didn't want to go to school. They didn't want to get dressed up. I felt like I was always having to drag them to where, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Anybody feel like you're dragging your feet sometimes when you get up in the morning? You're just kind of just slow to respond. How's your obedience? Are you quick to obey or slow to respond? And where might he be asking for your explicit obedience right now? I tell my children this all the time because they're teenagers. I say delayed obedience is still disobedience. Delayed obedience, they're like, I'll get to it, dad. Yeah, how many of you guys know when your children say, I'll get to it or I'll do it, you come back later and it, it hasn't been done, right? Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Where is God asking for your obedience right now? Your faith, I want you to hear me on this, and your obedience will always determine what walls in your life are gonna come down or what barriers are gonna remain. Your faith and your obedience will always determine what walls remain in your life, what barriers remain, or what comes down. For some of you, there have been some walls standing that God wants to do a new work in, but it's gonna require you to be faithful and to be obedient. In other words, it's gonna require you to march. Do you guys have your marching shoes on today? Do you have your boots on? Are you ready to respond to the Lord with faith? So number one, God delivers, but you and I have to march. Verse eight, and just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. And the armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. What a picture. But Joshua commanded the people, you shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until, until the day that I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. Verse 11, so he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city going about it once, and they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. The second point I want us to grab a hold of as a triumphant people today is this. Number two, God promises, but you have to wait. God promises, but sometimes you have to wait. Verse 10 highlights this. Joshua says, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until, I want you to underline the word until or highlight that in your Bible. Until the day I tell you to shout, then you shall shout. Then you shall shout. God told the people. He made a promise that he was going to give them a land and the city, but not on the first day. Not on the second day. Not on the third day. Not on the fourth day. Not on the fifth day. Not even on the sixth day, but on the seventh day, which meant that they had to march. They had to go through the motions for six days before anything came down. Why? Because the Lord was teaching them how to wait. How to wait on the Lord. Now, the scriptures speak a whole lot about the importance of waiting on the Lord. Oftentimes, when God gives us a promise, we mistakenly think it's gonna happen tomorrow. Anybody feel me on that? We're like, oh, I got this great promise from the Lord. I got this great 
you know, mission from God. I got this great new job. I got this great new promotion. I got the, and everything's just going to be awesome tomorrow. And then it isn't. And then it takes some time. Anybody feel me on that? It takes some time because the Lord is causing you to wait. Why does God do this? Why does God make us wait for things? Because he's mean? No. Because he's slow? Not really. It's because he's teaching us to become the kinds of people that know how to wait and rely solely on him. That know how to derive our strength from him. That know how to, to, to have our provision in him. That know how to take orders from him. That don't get the cart out in front of the horse who aren't eager to control and manage our lives to death. He's trying to untangle us from the need to be in control. And when we wait, I want you to look at these promises of what he will do in the waiting. Listen to what the scriptures say. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Let's put it up there, Amy. But they who wait for the Lord shall do what? They shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Waiting brings strength and it brings the ability to endure. Let's look at Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord, the psalmist says. Be strong and let your heart take courage. We like that word here at Courageous Church. Wait for the Lord. What does waiting do in this situation? It brings courage. It brings the ability to step out and do things you've never done before. What about Psalm 37, verse 34? Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. And you will look on when the wicked are cut off. Waiting brings promotion, and it brings fulfillment and inheritance. And then, of course, Isaiah 30, verse 18, a great passage on waiting. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. What does waiting bring? It brings blessing. It brings blessing. Can I tell you something? You guys already know this, but waiting is hard. Any impatient people out there? Am I talking to anybody? I've told this story before when I was a little kid. I used to get so impatient for Christmas. I would go down to the Christmas tree at like two in the morning on Christmas day. And I would just wait by the tree because I was hoping Santa was going to come. And my parents would come down to put the presents under the tree because they knew that if they put them in there early, we'd try to like figure it out and like rattle them around and do all the things that kids do. And there I was just hugging the tree, waiting, you know, excited because I wanted to obtain the promise, the blessing, the thing. So I would do this for years. My parents had to finally, <laughs> they had to finally change up their strategy. They're like, you always beat us down to the tree. <laughs> I don't, we don't get it. Like, I'm just impatient. I just, I just can't wait. I'm just so excited, right? Waiting's hard. Waiting's hard. For some of you that are single right now, you're in a season of waiting. You might be waiting for, for a potential spouse or mate, and it's hard. And you see all these other people, and it's like, oh, man. You've got friends that are getting married when I got married, like all of our friends were getting married at the same time. And then when I had kids, all of our friends were having kids at the same time. But there's always like that one person who, who's not. And then they're looking in and they're like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me, right? 
Why am I still single? Why, why don't I have kids? Why don't I, right? And then we get sucked in, we get deceived into thinking that there's something wrong with us because we have to wait. We live in a culture that microwaves everything. Amazon, right? Prime, delivery, same day delivery. They're trying to figure out how to get drones to drop stuff at our houses so that we don't have to wait. We live in a culture inundated with the inability to wait. And that's why it's so important, you guys, that the Lord wants to teach us how to wait, how to wait on promises, how to, how to, to tarry and pray and trust his timing. Because once again, and I've said it throughout this series, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His plans are not our plans. His timing is not our timing, which is why we need to wait. But when we do, he assures us our strength will be renewed. We'll learn how to endure. Our hearts will become full of courage. We'll see the blessing and the promotion and the fulfillment that comes only from the Lord. And can I tell you something? The Lord is able to do far more than you and I can in our haste. Do you guys believe that today? So number two, God promises, but you and I have to learn to wait. It's a part of the reality. Verse 15, on the seventh day they rose at the dawn of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. Say seven. And it was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Now we're going to skip down to verse 20. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound, there it is, of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout. The people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Now, for many of you that know this story, this is a, a highlight, right? This is like, this is like part of the highlight reel. If, if Israel were to set up an Instagram account today and put together a highlight reel, this would probably be one of the, one of the, the, the stories and pictures that we get. Because it's an amazing picture of what happens when you and I both learn how to put our faith and obedience into action and when we know how to wait on the Lord and then when we shout. The third point I want to make today is this, is that God often speaks to us, but you and I have to shout. You and I have to shout. Verse 20, so the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. And as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout. <laughs> so not just a little shout. The Bible goes out of the way here to emphasize that they shouted a great, loud shout. And the result is that the wall fell down and they were able to take ground. They were able to capture the city. Now, God had already spoken a word to them. He had already spoken to them about victory. He said, I will give this land to you. I will give this city to you. And he did it before the victory. But what did he actually command the people to do about it on the seventh day? He commanded them to shout. Now, at the risk of coming across a little bit hyper-charismatic, I want to say this. There is so much power when the people of God lift up their voices and shout. I love the word shout. It's a biblical word. It's a Hebrew word, and it's the Hebrew word ruah. Let's put it up there. Ruah. And it means to split the ears with a sound as in a war cry or alarm. So this isn't applause. This isn't um, what you would hear, you know, if uh, Tiger Woods made a putt at the Masters. This is a war cry. 
This is a mighty shout and there's power in it. I think one of the reasons that our churches have not seen the kind of impact that we want them to see is because we've misplaced our shout. And we've been shouting at all the wrong things instead of shouting at our true enemy that God commands us to shout at. The enemy loves to suppress the shout in your life. He loves to come against it. He loves to deafen it. He loves to try to stifle it and suppress it. Anyone ever hear the saying, God's not deaf? You know that saying was designed to keep you from shouting? And maybe the people that came up with that meant well when they said it, but I don't think it could be any further from the truth because God loves your shout. He loves when the people come together and worship and shout and release a war cry. I just love the picture of that. If you don't believe me, let's let the scriptures shape this reality for us a little bit here. Second Chronicles verse 13, 15 says this. Then the men of Judah raised a war cry. The same word for shout in Joshua is the same word used here, ruah. And when the men of Judah raised the war cry, ruah, then it was that God routed Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. What a powerful picture. First Samuel 4, 6, when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, ruah, they said, what does the noise of this great shout, this ruah, in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. Even the enemy recognizes the presence of God shows up when his people shout. Psalm 98, four, shout joyfully, ruah to the Lord, all the earth, break forth and sing for joy and sing praises. Psalm 47, one, oh, clap your hands, all you peoples, shout or ruah to God with the voice of joy. Second Samuel 6.15, so David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouting, with the teruah and the sound of the trumpet. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 14, one of my favorite verses, sing aloud, O daughter of Zion, and shout ruah in triumph, O Israel. You're starting to get a picture here? There is power in your shout. And here God has commanded the people on the seventh day after the seventh time to let out their ruah, to let out their war cry, to let out a holy roar. Could you imagine with me if we as people could grab a hold of our roar again? If we could grab a hold of our praise, our shout, our ruah, and begin to lift it up in our lives. My kids will tell you this, but oftentimes when I'm at home, I'll just... I'll just burst into a ruah every once in a while. I'll just be like, yeah, come on a yeha. And I just go for it. Because sometimes there's just things that can only be broken when you shout. Sometimes there's just breakthrough that only comes when you shout. Now, God loves your silent prayers. He loves the meditations of your heart. He loves your contemplative prayer and your silence and your stillness and your Sabbath and all those things. And there's a place for all of it, but there's also a place for your shout. There's also a place for you to grab a hold of ruah, like the people of God here. It's a beautiful picture. One of the best ways to triumph is to shout. 
So let me ask you today, when was the last time you let out a good and godly shout? I'm not talking about when you stub your toe on the side of the bed in the middle of the night. Ah! <laughs> you step on your kid's Legos that they left out. Yow! No, I'm talking about a godly roar. When was the last time you let your praises out? When is the last time you reminded the enemy that his walls are coming down? Maybe today, this is your assignment. You go home and you get in the middle of your bedroom and you just begin to praise the Lord with a ruah. You just begin to shout. Ah! And, you just, and you just envision all the things that have been coming against you, all the things that are obstacles in your life, all the stuff that the enemy's been trying to throw at you to thwart God's plan and purpose for your life. The enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. And for some of you, you've allowed that to happen because you've lost sight of your shout. And maybe today you go home and you just step into that and you just grab a hold of that shout and you begin to just march against him and you begin to just reclaim some things and begin to take back ground and territory in your heart and in your soul that God wants for you to have. I want to invite you to do that. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, I just, I just dare you. I, I triple dog dare you to try this. Okay, you have Pastor Jason's and the book of Joshua's permission to try this. Just try it. I know for some of you that are not super outspoken, that's fine. Believe it or not, I'm an introvert. <laughs> but I think there's so much power to this. And I can tell you, there, I've been in worship gatherings all over the world. I've been in worship gatherings in Nigeria where people have done this. And I can, I, I can tell you guys, it is powerful where people just launch into a holy ruah, into a holy shout. And it's like all of a sudden you just feel lifted, just elevated, like the, the oppressive weight of the world just all of a sudden lifts and it's just off you. And you guys know we live in an oppressive place sometimes. It feels weighty. And so sometimes you got to get your shout on. So I encourage you to do that today, amen? Go home and, and get your shout on. Together I believe this is how we're going to become a triumphant people. We're going to march where God says to march. We're going to wait when he tells us to wait, and we're going to shout when he commands us to shout. Did you receive that this morning? Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at CourageousChurch.com.